0: Good morning. How are you? Good Good to see you. God bless you. I'm Lance, pastor here at Falls Church. Happy Easter. We've been studying over the weeks, uh, the last few weeks, a focus on the life of King David, and so far we've been mostly in 1 Samuel, but David was a prolific artist who prophetically spoke about Jesus, the Son of God, on multiple occasions. He wrote a song about the death, suffering, and crucifixion of Jesus. And Jesus quotes David's psalm on the cross that we often read from the Gospel of Mark. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words were written a thousand years before Jesus hung on the cross in Psalm 22. He sang also a verse of the soldiers casting a lot for his garments. It's unmistakably uh, talking about the life of Jesus. A thousand years before. A thousand years kind of, you know, messes with my mind. When someone speaks about something that happened years ago, and someone speaks about something that happened decades ago, I, I never talk to people that tell me about things that they experienced a hundred years ago, right? Let alone thousand years prior. So when it happens, it's understandable that no one was connecting the dots as Jesus hangs on the cross. A thousand years ago. If we were to look back a thousand years ago, what would we see across the globe? A world power, China who was excelling in business, who created the first paper currency known in history, a world, a a, a national banking system. They used gunpowder for the first time where they were able to create explosive flames in military battle. The Muslim world was in its golden age a thousand years ago. The, The African trade, slave trade industry booming. Europe was Shifting by the decades, the, the rise of the, of the Danes and the victories of William the conqueror of England. Right here, what was happening a, a thousand years ago? I'll give a Starbucks gift card to anybody that can quote one person, that can, that can uh, quote one line of history from a thousand years ago in this region. It was the thriving Mississippian villages throughout America that were mostly Spanish and Colombian-speaking, you know, gl- these little villages. And there were, there were no sites, no connection globally to what was happening outside of a Viking raider named Leif Erikson, who tiptoed around the Americas and declared it Vinland. A thousand years ago, our American history, it's almost lost. There's hardly any remains in our culture. When David speaks about a Savior and what God was going to do someday, and it's fulfilled a thousand years later, when Jesus arrives and hangs on the cross and rises from the dead, it makes sense that David's words seemed irrelevant or that someone thought he what's he writing about and that that never happened that never came to pass like that it would have been unlikely for anyone to connect to psalm 22 or psalm 16 to Jesus while he was buried in the tomb because darkness had been looming for a few days since the 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 clouds rolled in and Jesus breathed his last breath and he was placed in a A borrowed tomb. Darkness was looming from that Friday-ish to that Sunday morning, yet the popular, controversial speaker, Jesus, had been condemned, executed, and buried. They were dark times for his family, for his friends, for his followers. They weren't probably singing songs of joy. There's a certain countenance that one should have when a, someone very dear to them dies, right? Like you don't, you don't sing, you know, joyful sounding songs. You probably dress in some drab colors. I'm sure they were maintaining a countenance of grief appropriate considering the brutal murder of the most dynamic anointed prophet who ever graced the paths of planet earth. But David wrote this song of joy about Jesus' death and his burial. Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. These words a thousand years later become the theme of Peter's first message and the first recorded Easter sermon ever preached. So I'm preaching an old, old message today. A New Testament declaration, but just as relevant to us, three thousand years later and still... These words are unfolding in our lifetime. Fellow Israelites, Peter, Peter says when he stands up to preach that first Easter message ever recorded. I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. He's saying, I'm going to tell you some words that David said about death and someone who would not see decay. But I want you to know that David himself was buried in his body. We know where his tomb is, he's gone. We have relics, probably, of his bones and skull. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him an oath that he would uh, place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to the Peter and the apostles' brothers, what should we do? It's rare and special when someone responds this way. It seems like I encounter more times than not a person that says, what do I have to do to be in right relationship with God? you know that obligatory tone like my life's a mess and that, that what are you going to tell me preacher what are you going to tell me christian that you know i'm supposed to be doing and i might i might even do it and can i just say that there's hardly a greater privilege as a believer to hear someone respond with this kind of confession and willingness to just say i'll do whatever god wants what does god want of me These folks had realized that they had rejected Jesus the Messiah. That they had participated in His execution. And when someone today admits their denial and their own rebellion against God and His principles and understands that they themselves, because of their sin, contributed to the death of Jesus on the cross, it's a, deeper, it's a deeper impact. It cuts the human heart deeper than the guilt of obligatory religious activity. Peter replied, here's what you do, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. These are a couple tremendous gifts from God. The forgiveness of your sins and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. There are a lot of promises within the text of Scripture. A lot of words that, that you hear spoken from the Holy Scriptures, but not all of them are for us. Some were spoken for very specific moments in human history, and some have a broader reach, but not many rank above these two promises to those who will turn to Jesus Christ and confess the forgiveness of your sins and the presence of Jesus in your life, working in your present day and carrying you into the future. Will you stand with me? See we celebrate the cross because our sins on one front on our sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. And his physical mission on the planet was finished. When Jesus said it is finished, he's talking about the payment for pro- the payment for sin is paid. The lamb of God paid the price, gave himself up. That part is finished, but God's work, accelerated forward by His Spirit, is in a continual current motion today, present and future. We look back, it's not as a picture of a museum, or we're not digging up archaeological artifacts to go, wow, that is really cool about that. But that is the power of the resurrection and the cross of Jesus Christ is its, its meaning there, its power today and its Holy Spirit work into the future. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, would you continue to speak to us? You've been trying to reveal yourself to us day after day, year after year. Some of us are getting up in years and we're we still are kind of going through the motions of life. We haven't been impacted with the cross. We haven't been impacted with the resurrection where it's, it's shaken our life and it's altered our, the course and the decisions that are in front of us. But would you get a hold of our hearts today, God? Would you hear honest call from us? Uh, honest cries around this room. You can hear every single person do you hear our hearts, Lord, and lead us to truth today in Jesus' name? The resurrection. Not a static moment in history that we look back to. We don't memorialize it. It's a portal. It's a, when we look back, we see it's a portal from death to life. Paul said to Timothy, it's a trustworthy state, a statement, for if we died with Him, we'll also live with Him. That there is no life in Christ without death first. That you, you have to die like, well, die to self. You can't die exactly like Him. The resurrection was the power of God on display. Jesus is alive and His Spirit is alive today and it gives us life in exchange for death. The cross and Jesus' work on it is not the end of the story. It's not even the final chapters. Jesus is alive. It's been said the tomb of Christ is most famous because of what it does not contain. I heard someone recently say we talk about what we have the most of. We talk about what we have the most of. And it was in, in reference to how old we are. That when you're young, you talk a lot about the future. Because you have most of your futures out in front of you. You think about your career, your hopes, uh, getting out of middle school, getting out of high school, you know, getting into college. What's out ahead of you? What you're going to do into the future? You're, you talk about your dreams and your hopes. And oftentimes, old people, <laughs> because what they have most of is behind them. They talk about the past. They tell about things they used to do, things that they, that they remember. And can I tell you that I'm excited about what God is going to do in the future? So that tells you what category I'm in. There are great things ahead for believers in Jesus Christ, there is much to be anticipated in the kingdom of God. It's not only looking back at the, the work of the cross, but it's seeing the, what the cross has made possible for us today and into the future. See, eternity is out there, and a thousand years from now, times a thousand years. In eternity, that's, that's the beginning, that's, the, that's the, 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 <coughs> the first parts of it. There's a lot yet to live in eternity for us humanoids, no matter what your age is presently. And Peter spoke about the future events to come in this first Easter message in Acts chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they'll prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the, great, before the coming of the great and glorious day of our Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's something that's profound and simple about that statement. That God knows the human heart. As much as we think that, you know, that following Jesus Christ is this process of discipleship, and we in the tr- as church insiders are always trying to take people from point A to B, and, and advance them in the kingdom, and see them mature and grow... And that is critical and important. But there's something simple about whoever calls on the name of the Lord. That God knows the heart of someone who genuinely calls out to Him. Calling on the name of the Lord means admission of surrender. That you're finally giving up. That you're saying, I'm done leading my life. I'm done being the one who makes the rules and harbors unforgiveness. It means you're done bartering for God. You know what, God? If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. God knows the difference between those who are crying out to Him and they want a little Jesus help to get through the difficulties of their life, to make sure some things go a little better for them, to make sure their business succeeds, their career succeeds, or they get something from God. He knows the difference between those that are bartering and those that are broken, guilty, humble, and are ready to die to themselves and live for Christ. It means a big relief for us believers in Jesus Christ is that a person can't miss God if they want to find him. Because I, you know, I've had people say that to me, pastor, you had, you had the people right there, but why didn't you pray with them that final prayer? Why didn't you ask people, you know, as if me as a human being am going to do, that I'm going to do a better job at leading people to God than God himself. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, We do have a part we get to assist, but it's it's God who is doing the rescuing. It's God who's doing the saving. We're supposed to do our parts and shine like light, shine like stars, but the saving is God's specialty. And sometimes we get to assist in the process, but God is still the hero who saves. Peter continues to explain the power of the cross of the first Easter sermon. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. He says, he he did it all. He's, He's proved himself over and over and over again. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He proves himself over and over, demonstrations beyond human capability, and the human reaction was jealousy, hatred, and murder. But it was God's deliberate plan. That's what I love about this text. It's God's deliberate plan. Like it wasn't Mankind killed the Savior and God tried to work some good out of it. It wasn't evil mounting a surprise attack against a helpless Lamb of God. This was God in human form airdropped into the soulish battlefield for for our lives. God knew sin in man's heart would prove His point. I think of trying to get my little dog Pepsi to take medicine. You just put something that in a hunk of steak and throw it on the ground. Pepsi, eat steak. Ask questions later. You know she's a. My dog uh, only only is dangerous when she has food. <laughs> but Jesus' arrival wasn't a trap by God. It wasn't. Uh, it it wasn't to deceive. Humans to get you know it wasn't it wasn't to tr- manipulate them, but when purity and love and the holiness of God Himself is walking in a wicked and perverse generation, one of them has to give, and God gave, and that's what David is singing this song about, and that's why Peter mentions David's song of praise as part of the very first Easter message of the Bible, that the grave was temporary, that it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter uses a 1,000-year-old song of David to be his support text in his message. He goes on to say, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. A thousand years before he arrives, David prophetically speaks the words of Jesus in first person. I'm sure after David was gone, there was confusion when the psalm was saying, wait, his body wasn't going to see decay, but we have the tomb of David. People go there and worship. There's some of his bones are in there. There's, there's, this, there's no skeleton of Jesus. No authentic Tomb of Jesus with his mummy in there to display. No one's charging money for it. There's some fake ones in Israel you can go to. They're all around in Israel, in Jerusalem. There's fake ones. People say, he was here, he was here, we think he was here, we think he was there. And people pay money and go in there to those shrines and they pray. The bones of Jesus ascended up into the heavens in a cloud with the disciples watching in awe probably jaws wide open, probably hands lifted like, Lord, no, don't leave us. Or, how are you doing that? And since that day, the spirit of Jesus has been then loosed on the earth. Shortly after Jesus' resurrection, a young religious man, Saul of Tarsus, had a Jesus encounter. And he realized that he was completely lost. He had every reason to think that he was in pretty good shape. The best rule follower of the Jewish faith. A brilliant young thinking mind. A respected leader who had a wealthy, secure future, as a talented, upright Pharisee, that money and power was his guaranteed future. And he said, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He said, of all the religious, of all the good people in the world, ah." I, I, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. My family name, I come from a, a group of really good people. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. He's been promoted. As for zeal, persecuting the church. He's like, I, I, I followed so heartily. that I, I killed young Christians following this Jesus that we say was a blasphemer. And as far as righteousness based on the law, <laughs> you study the laws of Judaism, it, thousands and thousands of man-made rules of how you walk and how you talk and how you eat. And he says, I followed every rule. I was faultless. I mean, you'd have to be, have a photographic memory. Paul must have been a photo, had a photographic memory and been that kind of genius. It, it would make sense with, when you study his writing. To be able to be faultless in this world but a heart filled with love for God and others not even close he was lost he was executing people he was executing the the Jesus followers in the name of God he says can you be any more lost than that can you have any any more can you be any more religious than that It'd be like coming to an Easter service and singing of the cross and being changed and going out of this place and living a life of hatred and of lust and of crime and greed and perversion. But whatever were to my gains, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through Christ in faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That, that one Greek word there for garbage it's skubalon. If you're a young person that's probably the only Greek word you'll ever remember skubalon. It, it means it means poo-poo. Some Bibles say garbage, some say refuse, but it it really means, I just stepped in some scubalone. Oh, scubalone. He says, all that religious behavior, all that activity, all that righteousness that I thought I had, garbage, scubalone. And then he says this, I want to know Christ, yes to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is really getting to the crux of the people that were cut to the heart and said, what could I do for God? Because this is a guy who's saying, you know what? I want to know him. I want I'm ready to die like him. I, I want to know him. I want to I want to know the, the res the what it means to have the power of the resurrection in my life that I'm ready to give up my life. See there's a lot of people that want want stuff from God. They'll come. They'll come to church if you you offer them enough good things and you tell them of all the great things that are coming to life. But what real life in Jesus Christ is about a life that says, I'm willing to have my life be dead and find a new life in Jesus Christ. And that's my question to you this Resurrection Sunday. Do you know the power of the resurrection? Have you said to God, I'll... I'll die to myself to be brought back into new life in Jesus Christ. See, to die to self and start a new life, that's attractive to people initially because they think I'll start a new life and I'll get the life I always dreamed of. But God's talking about a life that He's dreamed of for you. The power of the resurrection is past, present, and and future. Will you stand with me? I want to pray this prayer over you. That the power of the resurrection rests on His church in dynamic fashion, equipping you for the works of God, equipping you to love people, and equipping you for passionate worship to Jesus. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. Lord, may your presence continue to rest upon us as your people, shining with your goodness and your glory in Jesus' name. And all the church shouted. Amen. All the church radically shouted. Amen. All the church almost radically shouted. Amen. God bless you. Hug somebody. Smile at somebody. Walk in the goodness of the resurrection power of Jesus. Amen. You can find us online at Falls.Church or by searching Facebook at facebook.com slash fallschurch.cc